Has TSM become the new CLG? Some people might say we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Some people might not. We go over this in just a second. Also, this week we get into which team is the best team in the LCS right now. Uh, I feel like there might be some varying opinions. And then Champions Q, first impressions. Um, it seems like the community is pretty happy with it. We will talk about that towards the end of the show. This is episode 73 of the Clown Fiesta podcast with Blue Jay and JNT50. Let's go, JNT. Uh, lots of TSM fans are maybe in panic mode. Should they be? Are they the new CLG? Give me some answers here. All I'm going to say is I've been saying it. I've been, I've been, it's been my slow burning take for, it feels yeah. like the last half a year now. That, uh, yeah, it's been a while. That TSM is becoming the new CLG. Uh, obviously, you know, they won uh, summer and in, in 2020, and CLG hasn't won anything since 2016. What was it That was the last time they, they won was 2016 spring. And the last time they were, like, relevant at all was season nine summer when they made a – they finished third place in the in the playoffs, didn't make Worlds. Um, but that was, like, kind of a one-off where they got Power of Evil, and Power of Evil was, like, really popping off. But, like – Mm -hmm. Dude, we got both these teams. They're sitting at zero four now. I just put their logos on the screen. But you know, uh, if I was a TSM fan, I would be worried. Okay, I would be a little worried too. But I would only be worried for this year. Like for me. So what was your take exactly? We did a ninety fifty ten at the start of the year. It was the fifty fifty, right? Or was that just missing playoffs? Oh what no, was no, that? yeah, that was mine. Like mine was fifty percent oh, okay. that TSM was not going to make playoffs in spring split. Okay, that that to me is like totally fair. Uh, I I thought maybe that was the the new CLG kind of thing. So that's a separate take. Yeah, okay. Anyways, a... for me, it's just no, man, no, they're not. It, four games is not a lot of games. Are they bad right now? Yeah, they're pretty bad. But they are not. First of all, they're not the worst team in the league. CLG is still there. So hey, bad. man, they ain't close behind. I think it's about equal right now. I no way, man. No way. CLG looks absolutely trash right now. I do not think TSM is that bad of a team. Although, let's be honest, they're they are def they are definitely struggling, and they're struggling in more than one area, right? There, you can see pretty much across the map, they are not looking too. Um, CLG levels, though. You know what? I think the first time we talked about this, I think I had to remind you. We remember we talked about the van that CLG gets out of at the, 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 at yeah. the MCS studio, the just stock white then, van. Yeah, and TSM, they get out of a nice Cadillac. Like, let me, the difference there is money. So, like, if things go absolutely up in flames this year, TSM has some cash that they could change things next year. Whereas, like, I don't know if CLG necessarily does. Um, because, I mean, I guess they're owned by MSG. And I guess they've spent a little bit in the past. But nowhere near what TSM is willing to spend. And also, like, yeah, I don't know. Even if TSM hasn't gone to Worlds, in a little while and even though their last world's appearance wasn't so good that's just not even close to what clg has been for the last i don't know what, what did you say since 2016 so like five years it, to me those are still apples and oranges well all i'm saying is if you kind of if you discount that summer title that they got you know they haven't done if you just the time that they were good well but you take you take one split and since what is it season eight now they haven't been doing well at all They've only made finals two times since then. Yes. They've missed on Worlds uh, every year but one, which was that year that they won the title, obviously. And I mean, my main concern for TSM right now is going into the season, we knew that this was going to be sort of a developmental period for TSM. They're bringing over right. these young guys from the LDL. And you know, I don't think people would have been surprised if TSM started out slow and those players weren't playing very well. 
But my worry for TSM is it feels like those two players are the only ones who are actually playing well at all right now. Because for me, yeah. when I watch TSM, the biggest problems of TSM is speak and tactical. And I mean, Huni's not Huni's not doing so well either. I think Huni's still not bad. I think you know Huni had a decent week last week, right? We can agree on yeah, that. Yeah, his, his his week one was was week one was pretty good. Um, you know, kind of like pretty much was exclusively in the sideline. But his week two yeah. was not so good. And tactical has you know tactical has been looking like the inting tactical. On uh, TSM so far, and Spika's just like it. Just feels like he's not doing anything. I mean, that's not to like put you know you can put all the blame on the shoulders of those players because you know there's some clear like communication mishaps in a lot of these TSM games that you watch. If you just look at individual fights where Shen Yi is going in for like these massive like four man alts where the team is not there at all with him, despite them being you know really good plays. And the concerning thing for me would be that the stable pieces on TSM who were the English speakers that you were carrying over from last season, two of them were on your team, a tactical former TSM Academy player who's played with Speaker before, who was supposed to come into this team, gel really well very quickly, and at least play at a decent level, like average LCS AD carry level, and that's not happening. And th that's my main concern from TSM is it's basically a reverse of what we thought was going to happen. And, you know, it's kind of on now these OG TSM members to sort of step it up because I think Kaiduo and Shenyi, like they've been... They've been all right. Like I've had no problem with what they're doing so far. Yeah, there's there's some like errors here and there, but that's gonna happen when you're new to the LCS, new to a team, and English isn't your first language. Yeah, let's get into what we've seen as of recent, or, or maybe just this past weekend. So for for when tactical tactical came over to TSM, I did expect for him to look worse. Not playing with Core JJ anymore, and I just we kind of thought that TSM was gonna be a worse team than TL. So that's pretty obvious. To be fair, he actually looked pretty good on that Jinx game, even though they ended up still throwing the game. He still was playing like hella aggro, which was the way they needed to play to get back into that game. They were just, there was still way too many problems for them to win that game um, anyways. So I wouldn't say he looked absolutely horrid in that game. And I wouldn't say he still, he, I wouldn't say he looks like the worst AD carry in the league, but there's a significant difference between TL tactical and TSM tactical. And that's something that can't really be ignored. The other thing that you mentioned was Spika kind of looking invisible. Um, I have to agree. And the copium here is like, you still have uh, the former, like the, like, is it the former or the current MVP? Whatever. He, he won the most recent MVP last split, right? That's the copium take. And I have to believe, I just have to believe that what we're seeing out of Spika is not what we're going to see the rest of the year, right? There's no way. Am I, am I crazy? Yeah, I mean, I think we do. Everyone expects better things out of Spika even just to the average viewer who doesn't know anything about it. Like, this guy was the former MVP. Like, imagine you have the former MVP in any other league, any other sport, who comes out and looks like one of the worst players in his position. So, like, everyone's going to expect better uh, to speak his benefit. I mean, like, the only like <laughs> the only way left to go is up because he's been playing pretty horrible. So, you can't. it feels like you can't get any worse than this. But, I mean, like... And I guess, like, the other problem for me with TSM is, like, they still have to go through a lot of good teams. They have yet to play Cloud9. They have yet to play Team Liquid. They have yet to play 100 Thieves. Like the only e. good, the only good team that they've played is EG, and EG hasn't even been looking that good so far. And TSM looked, you know, completely flat against EG as well. That was like the Danny Pentacle game. But up until that point, like TSM hadn't done anything the whole game. Like it was just straight up inactivity. Um, so that is a really good point. Like that they haven't played those three teams. That like, is that's Monka S right there. It, like I don't know what their schedule is, but if they were to just to play their next three games, Cloud Nine, Hundred Thieves, TL, like this team is zero seven. Like they are a zero seven team, and they still have yet to play CLG. So and who knows how that like. 
I don't know, dude. Like, uh, there's I like, do, there, I can dude. say it with confidence. TSM will beat CLG whenever. I don't think that's this week coming up. Well, we'll see in the when we do predictions later. I don't think that's coming up this week. I think that's yeah. the next week. Yeah, I don't Regardless, think they play them this I, week. I think TSM will beat CLG. I don't think they start 09. I but but there not. there are other games, Immortals, and I think we're expecting the same upward trajectory for Immortals as we are TSM. And I think there is a real possibility TSM is one and eight in the first round robin, and like. That's a very scary number to think about when you're expected to be a, a playoff caliber team in the league and one of the most storied leagues, one of the most storied teams in the league. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk a little bit about some good stuff because here's like wh when you're looking at an 04 squad, you're kind of you're really digging to find some good stuff. Um, but I will talk about Shenyi on the rel. Sometimes a little bit too aggro. I will remind people like the game against Golden Guardians. They have the great level one that for some reason Golden Guardians decides to take at their blue buff. TSM gets a huge advantage. Shenyi engages on the rel. After they see the jungler pathing down towards bot, after they see Pride Stalker on the Zed, he ends up picking up a kill, gets right back in the game. That's where you could criticize Shenyi. But for the most part, I actually thought that his engages on rel were really good. Um, I think he played one last week as well. So I don't think Shenyi's looking too bad. You mentioned how it's the the former TSM players that you're more worried, or the guys that we know, rather, that you're more worried about. And I do agree with you on that, because I think Shenyi's looking pretty good. I do think Kaiduo's looking pretty good. Um, but that's just not enough for, for them to pick up any wins. At but the it, moment, but so. it does, it does for me, it does work in TSM's benefit that it is the, the players whom we expect be good are the ones not being good because once yes. again like if, if we were in a situation where Goonies, Spica, and Tactical were playing well and it was their two import mid lane or their two uh, Chinese imports that were dragging the team down that would be concerning because like you're not really we don't have too much data on these two Chinese players we don't know if like they're going to get any better than they currently are but you know with the reverse being like Huni, Spika, and Tactical are the underperformers. We know that these guys are going to get back to some some level that, that is better than what they currently are. So I do think it's kind of going in TSM's favor that, you know, the known quantities and, and the veterans are the guys underperforming because I think we do expect that they are going to turn it around. I was, I don't know about you, but that play, the the one play where, they, first of all, they, they blind pick Renekton. Uh, just a heads up, there's a chance I talk about blind pick Renekton a lot this episode. I'll try not to hammer it home too much. But my God, four of the five games on day one were blind pick Renekton with B5. Jesus, man. I, uh, I, I can't tell you how much I don't like that. But anyways, they blind pick the Renekton and they go to dive top on the Orn. And that dive just goes absolutely awry. And but that's before the jungler shows up. They, they try to dive Kumo on Orn before Jose Diodo shows up. Oh, that was so and troll. Jesus. That, was, that game was over like almost insta off of that because you're really trying to snowball if you're going to pick the Renekton and, and you're playing it into the Orn. Mind you, it was blind. But still, like, that was absolute nightmare. And then, like, at, at that point, what do you do in the game? What do you do? I, I don't know. Um, anyways, I think TSM was kind of out of answers that game. I think a lot of their fans are out of answers for the, a lot of the question, question marks on this team. And, uh, yeah, it, shit, shit's getting bad. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think, you know, both of the, I mean, we'll, we'll get to CLG in a second, but, but TSM especially, like, they're going to have a really difficult schedule coming up, and they're going to have two presumably hungry teams in Immortals and CLG, or, you know, teams they should beat, but, you know, Immortals and CLG are in similar situations to TSM, where their season, at their start of the season has not gone great, and they need to be playing catch-up, so, you know... 
like at this rate, one of these two teams is going to be in last place come come at the at the end of the first round robin, and it could be yeah. like easily either one of them. I think. Yeah, yeah. Because if we All flip right. over, Let, yeah, I was just going to say if we flip over to CLG, CLG a bit. Like, I'll just get this out the way right now. But they're in the same exact boat as TSM. They they have a really tough schedule coming up. The only hard team they've played so far is 100 Thieves. They have C9. It, no, they just played Dig. Sorry, they have C9. Uh, EG and TL all still to play, so you're probably looking at 0-7 for CLG again. And like I said, you have that one matchup against TSM, which is going to be vital for both teams if they want to climb out this hole they're in. And then they have uh, last team, Mortals as well to play. So you mentioned how you think CLG and TSM are kind of close. I, just because they're in close in standings for me, I, I still don't think they're that close. But I want to know, like, you see Contract absolutely running it down every game. No offense to Contracts, but like. He is standing out by far as being one of the worst players in the league, if not the worst player. And so I don't know, for me, like, I don't see CLG having a chance in some of these games. Whereas, like, TSM, they had a legit chance to win that game against Golden Guardians. So Yeah, but I mean, like, I to, to me, that's a bit of an outlier because that's a clear game that Golden Guardians was in the driver's seat the entire time. Should have won, should have been, you know, done and dusted within 25 But it wasn't in minutes. the, not the whole time, because remember, that level one TSM is way ahead. So let's not say the whole time. Well, for the majority of the game, they were the team in control and in the yes. driver's seat, and it was Golden yeah. Guardians kind of fumbling the ball and TSM picking up the pieces with this Lulu Jinx-like funnel. Of, uh, people are kind of calling it funnel, but TSM was running the Smite Lulu top, and they had Jinx and Rel, which you know seems like a pretty premier draft for the Smite top with hypercarry ADC sort of format. Like You have to have one of either Jinx or Aphelios, I think. The main other thing people are talking about is having that uh, engage support paired with your Enchanter top is really the pairing that you know they want to see because it provides your team with frontline and space for your ADC to to move around and you don't have like double enchanters with you know jungle mid top so but i think you know talking about contracts yeah it's pretty obvious that you know this guy is the worst player in the league right now at least you know in terms of the number of deaths that he's having in the game but to credit CLG somewhat because i i've i've always held this opinion about league and especially with bad teams i much prefer the team that is trying to be proactive and failing and not being the team that is not doing anything and playing reactive and just kind of like waiting for teams to make mistakes because I think, you know, more times than not, the team who is playing aggressive early and trying to win is going to win more than the team who's preying on other teams' mistakes, not doing anything in the early game when the early game is just so vital in this day and age. And look, I don't want to just shit on contracts because I, so I do want to point out that in the game against Golden Guardians, he actually did have some pretty creative pathing. I'll remind people that he was camping the shit out of mid lane and Olive was not enjoying that. So it's like in the early game, things aren't going too, too bad. His pathing is okay. He's finding some unique pathing and making some things happen, but it's like, it feels like 10 minutes into the game. It's just brain off at that point. And then you have a bunch of question mark pings on almost every single play that he makes, unfortunately. And, I, yeah, I don't know. It feels like I, I just I can't talk about CLG without thinking about how bad things have gotten for contracts specifically. Um, Jenkins had a really rough start to the split, but I think Jenkins is starting to look a lot better as well. We talked about Luger looking pretty good. I will say Luger actually made a couple of pickups this weekend, but it's same story as last week. It's like some of these mistakes are costly, but they're just not even nearly as costly as some of the things that you're getting out of the jungle. And unfortunately you're digging yourself such a hole so quickly that like you're never going to dig out of it yeah um i i think you know when we talk about clg we got to talk about luger because he's clearly their best player and actually 
from what I we've so seen too. from what we've seen so far in lock in and now at the start of the season he, he looks like a decent player i mean like this is a guy that i think if you put on a mid to top tier team would be a good player like i yeah. do think <clears throat> you know, Contracts is definitely dragging CLG down. So whether they wanted to test the waters with you know a different jungler, I don't know who their academy jungler is, but should they want to put him in, or even if Contracts' play improves just even a little bit, like if he if you know the inting sort of just stops at like anywhere in between the ten to fifteen minute phase, like I think this team is much better off in compared to TSM when they just don't do anything. And it, maybe that's just like my bias towards the more aggressive play style and why I. Th- have a bit, I'm a bit more of a believer in CLG than TSM right now. Um, I mean, I just think that if they cut down on the inting a little bit, I mean, like, sure, like, contracts have been inting the whole time, so why expect anything different? But, I mean, I just think the way, the performances that we've seen from both of these teams, I just have a little bit more confidence in CLG. Like, it's surprising really? to say that, but, like... Wow. I'm, dude, I need to see TSM do something in the early game. They don't do anything. I, I suppose that I, I guess that is true. I just wow, that that really does shock me. I never thought that. Um, the the one point that you brought up that I think is is fair to bring up is who is the academy jungler because it doesn't. Honestly, the thing is, I I don't believe contracts is this bad. I really don't. We saw him yeah, last year. He had a really good year last year with EG. I feel like there has to be some sort of tilt or something that is getting in the way of him playing like his normal self, like we saw last year. Something ain't right because I don't believe that you just suddenly forget how to play the game and you forget what times to engage on team fights and whatnot. Like it just looks or just uh, walking up alone in river. Yes, yeah, we saw that with the that with, uh, was that the Trundle game. Been doing it in almost uh, in every game. One. Like okay, well anyway, yeah. Um, anyways, I I think we can stop beating the dead horse. It looks pretty bad for CLG and TSM, I guess. And I guess, you know what, though? The the positives is that I am really interested to see these two teams play each other. And it's, that's been a while since that. I mean, CLG TSM is always a banger for better or for worse. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, before we move on to the next team or our middle of the pack teams, I guess that we're going to call them. I do want to thank everyone that showed up last week. We had quite a bit of, uh, quite a fair bit of new viewers. Um, so I just wanted to shout out all of the people that tuned in last week. And for those that don't know, we are live every weekend on Twitch. However, we go live really late. We usually go live right after Hotline League. But if you do want to follow us, you can go over to twitch.tv slash podcast. Follow us there. Um, the other thing, too, is we do go on YouTube as well. Some of you may have found us on YouTube or on Spotify. We are available on all those platforms. So, um, yeah, be sure to check out for us there. Um, the times that we go live on Monday nights is 12, uh, 12 midnight EST and 9 PM PST. Uh, so pretty late night show, but anyways, just remember to hit them follow buttons and whatnot. Okay. JNT, let's talk about immortals, uh, much better than what we had the week prior. Yes, um, yes. quite a nightmare last week, but I actually looked pretty good this week. They pick up a win against 100 thieves. And the guy that most people look at in this roster to look solid is PoE. And I thought he was the reason they were actually able to pick up the win against 100 Thieves. He didn't have the flashiest of scorelines. I don't remember what it was. I just remember he wasn't the one two, racking two up all eight. the kills. Yeah, it, it, so there you go. So not a flashy scoreline, but I do know for sure a lot of nice scatters on the Syndra that were hitting multi-mans and just straight up winning the team fights, if you ask me. Like, yeah, his, I, I was his really team fighting with his Cinder this weekend. His team fighting was really good in that game against 100 Thieves. I mean, that's like 
He was basically hitting multi-man scatters almost every single team fight, and those scatters were winning them the fight, whether it was for self-peel, um, you know, in that sort of ending sequence where he got flash set ulted, you know, he did a really nice flash backwards into three-man scatter of the week, which just insta-won yeah. them the fight because, like, Revenge just dashed on top of them all, pressed QR, like, they almost all insta-died. And then um, Turtle went nuts on Jinx, right? You get some resets, and next thing you know, the team fight's over. Yeah, and even at the beginning of that game, um, you know, Turtle and Destiny solo killing FPI Hui in the bot lane, like, that was definitely something that also was very surprising. Because Destiny yeah. and Turtle did not have a good week one and have not looked good at all so far this season. And for them to solo kill FBI Huhi, who I think the both of us, you know, agreed uh, last summer was the best bot lane in the league. Um, and coming into the season, you know, I guess we would say, or the second best bot lane in comparison to Core JJ Hansama, although they're not fielding that roster at the moment. Um, yeah. They're still one of the best bot lanes in the league. And it was pretty surprising to see them get that early kill. Especially it when was. he was on his, uh, his set. Like, that's his best champion, feels like. Yeah, true. True. Honestly, that was really surprising. And when you when we see how bad the bot lane from IMT has looked this year, that's what you're expecting 100 Thieves to straight up win through. You're expecting them to just win through bot lane, and that didn't happen, as you mentioned. The other guy is Viego was absolutely popping off in that game, and it was pretty much a, who's going to carry this game? Is it Syndra or Viego? Um, pretty much PoE versus Closer, and I guess PoE came out on top. Yeah. Um... Closer was also having a really good game uh, against Immortals. Uh, there was a lot of really, like, really close team fights. Like there were so many yes. team fights where people were either living with one HP or getting out with one HP or like, you know, uh, I just remember the one fight where like 100 Thieves got Baron, but like Revenge like kills FBI with his last auto like mid death. Um, so, like that was a really fun game to watch. I think, in my opinion, like that and the Cloud Nine TL game. We'll get into that a bit later, but those like those were the most exciting games for me this weekend mainly just because it was like really great team fighting out of both teams like it felt like both teams were playing a good game here um and the team fights are really close and you know immortals did end up you know with the victory because of poe like a poe is he's looked at as the rock of this team he's the best player on this team probably him or zerse um and for him to sort of get back to having a good performance uh feels like immortals is going in the right direction obviously they didn't have a as yeah. good of a performance against cloud nine <laughs> I was uh, just about to go there. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that game. I think both of us, while watching this game, was like, dude, like they're going to pick the victor into the Zillion, which we've yep. pretty much seen this matchup played against Bjergsen Zillion three times, I think we saw it in lock-in. Um, it was either three or two times, but every time it just felt like Victor can't push Zillion out of lane, and therefore Zillion just gets to free farm until he hits level nine, where he can clear the mid-wave with double bombs, and you know that to that point he reaches level 11, and <laughs> you have level 11 on Zillion, like, your teammates just don't die. Yeah, that game, it sort of felt like a draft diff, but I don't think it should have been. So there, there's that. We we predicted, uh, like you said, we predicted the Victor was going to be picked into Zillion, and we're like, this isn't going to do anything. The Zillion, even though Victor scales great, the Zillion will outscale just because of the utility that he brings. That champion is absolutely nuts right now, so we knew that was going to happen. Uh, the other thing is the Jace. I, so was the Jace picked into the Malphite? Or I, I, I believe the Malphite was picked into the Jace. Malphite was picked into Jace. Right. And the thing is, uh, most people will say that this is a great matchup, but I, last year when we saw this, every time this happened, Malphite got absolutely destroyed and really couldn't survive the laning phase. And so I was expecting, I don't know why, I was expecting the Jace to style on the Malphite in lane and get too much of a lead that, you know, things get out of hand. But Revenge's Jace looked quite bad. And I was like, oh, so that's why C9 did it. They, ba they pretty much just didn't respect revenge is jace and in that game you could kind of see why they didn't because 
The laning phase went perfectly fine for Malphite. He came back to lane without the Serrated Dirk, which I think is normally what you want to do so that you could actually pressure the, the lane. And I think he came back with a tier, which it was tier I get that. Scepter. I get that. You you want some sustain and you want to, to start building up your tier, but also like if you're just absolutely smashing that lane, which we've seen, I've seen it in LCK a million times. I've seen I've seen it in a few re regions, uh, quite a fair bit. I think that if you're just smashing that lane, you get really good back timings that you're not necessarily running out of mana anyways, and you could build a tier later if you want to. So I don't know. For me, I just I thought that if that was Bwipo's Jace, I feel like that Malphite gets absolutely destroyed. Um, but revenge looked pretty useless. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, even though Immortals got smashed this game, it really didn't feel like I didn't come out of this game thinking, oh wow, Immortals is back to being trash and like what, yeah. a, what a horrible like turn of events after their win against 100 Thieves because it just felt like Cloud9 just won in every single like it. I don't know. Like the game never once felt like Cloud9 wasn't in control. Yeah, not like, once. Like the it felt the, the game, whole time like C9's gonna win this game. The game was literally even in gold yeah. up until the game pretty much ended, where like the, the last team fight Cloud9 like four for owed them, and then they just like ended the game after they had gotten Baron just a couple minutes before. Um, but it just felt like you know. I mean, maybe maybe this is like, not like, maybe I I think I should be more along the lines like, well, Immortal should have been more proactive in the early game, but it felt like they were trying to do that, but Cloud9 was just playing as far back as possible, and like Blabber was covering lanes really really well, like he covered top lane to make sure that someone couldn't get dove on like two separate occasions. They got to kill mid to shut down the sort of Victor like poke in lane or whatever. To but it, I don't know, it just I didn't feel like. Immortals played a super bad game. Yeah, obviously they got destroyed, but it did feel like a bit of a draftopia. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Regardless, definitely an improvement from week one and from lock-in. There's no doubt there. That's pretty obvious. And so hopefully Immortals starts to look like that team like we talked about at the start of, of the year where people thought this team could push into the top five. Are they near that? Not yet. They're not. Um, but they're certainly, they were looking bottom 10. So, uh yeah, M much, much better, much better this after this week. Next up, we have Evil Geniuses. Evil Geniuses are now two and two on the year. Not looking as good as they did in lock-in. Still, to me, not looking terrible either, though. Um, and I still am on the side of, like, this is a good thing if you're an EG fan. Like, this team isn't supposed to be a team that comes out of the gate on fire, right? Like, Jojo Pyun and Danny, do I need to remind people, are still young players. Like, they're still... I mean, Danny's a rookie in my mind, so they're both rookies to me. Like, I don't know. It's it's just so not too bad whatsoever, and I think they're just going to get better. So, yeah, and I mean, one thing that's working in EG's favor, them being two and two, is they've had a really tough schedule. Like, and they're two and two, and that's perfectly fine. Who have they fine. played so far? Uh, well, they've played Cloud Nine, One Hundred Thieves, and Dignitas. Three, three, and, did and they one play teams. TL? Did they? Did they play TL or was that? I'm thinking of Lock-In. I think I'm thinking of Lock-In. Yeah. Regardless, though, they're playing against some, yes, some good teams. First game. Is oh, well, there you go. <laughs> you no, but still, they, they, they've played three three and one teams and they beat one yeah. of them. And then they also beat, they won the game they're supposed to win against TSM. So I think if you're Evil Geniuses, like you're pretty happy, you know, with the two and two because you basically got, you know, trash teams the rest of the way minus Team Liquid. And they came out playing. So let's talk about the Lulu. Was it the Lulu that impacted? No, they, was playing? he was, was playing Karma. Karma. Oh, it was Karma. Yes, yes, yes. I was confusing it with uh, Huni playing the Lulu. I think it was. Yeah, Huni played Lulu. Um, yeah, the Karma top was absolutely useless. Okay, so 
<laughs> this was like you're supposed to concede the lane and roam and make things happen. All they pretty much got in that game was one dragon. And just to remind people that dragon actually did end up mattering because they stopped Dignitas from getting soul. But still, like... Yeah, they it was got, it was the first so, strike. They fell so far behind. Yeah, it was the first strike, and it was because they have an Olaf on their team as well. Yeah. Who's also really good at taking the first strike. Mm -hmm. But the the point is though, is that Dignitas did not seem phased whatsoever by the roaming uh top laner, and you pretty much just got a free lane um in the top lane, and you could start to snowball that game. Now they didn't. They did not. Um, but definitely I don't want to see it again. I don't know about you. <laughs> yeah, it was weird because they obviously picked the smite karma top lane, but they pretty much didn't do like what you were supposed to do with the smite top. It was kind of like impact, you know, he did the normal thing, went to lane, hit level three, but then just went on like a solo adventure and he didn't yeah. pair up with inspired at all Two on two separate occasions. He ran down crossed mid. The enemy team saw him cross mid on the minion wave. And then he just died to, to Ari who ulted over the wall, you know, alt charm and into one shot basically. So, you know, the strength of this smite support top meta is you pair up with your jungler to either, you know, get vision, control objectives, early rift heralds, early dragons, uh, even pairing up with your jungle to invade the enemy jungle to steal camps to get vision. And you're using your top laner to pressure the enemy jungler. And it just felt like Impact was playing as like not the second jungler, but just a roaming like vision bot, which was yes. super, super weird. And then was dying when he was trying to place the vision. So it just felt like the way that they played it out, like at that point, like if you're not going to sort of utilize the strategy to its fullest of pairing up with your jungler and, you know, roaming around the map together in a pair, like just lane karma at that point and like, you know, yeah. get go like Moonstone or go Shirelia's and then do exactly what you did and just give the farm over to your jungler or the solo laner post like 10 minutes or something. But I don't know. I, I think he pretty much just gave up five plates and that was it. Yeah, like I don't, I don't think it was Impact's fault solely as well. Like obviously, you know, he did get caught off two times, but EG took a very weird approach where yes, they did get the first drag, but then after that, they just like decided to never, you know, contest dragons or even contest drag vision or even play to that side of the map. Any time after they got that first drag, when drag was spawning, they had either Inspired or Jojo Pune top lane split pushing and pushing the wave out. And, you know, Dignitas was like, okay, well, now we're just going to walk up and take the dragon because we see your jungler topside or we see your top laner, or sorry, your mid laner who's top with uh, Unleashed Teleport. Like, he doesn't have the Unleashed Teleport. Like, he has regular TP, so he can't TP down to the fight. So it just was a really weird game plan out of EG. They pick the strat. They don't do what the strat's supposed to do. And then they don't even play for, like, bot side dragon control. So, like, but I don't... they get the win, baby. I mean, they got the win. Like, we'll get into the Dignitas <laughs> side of it in a little bit later, but, like... It just felt like EG didn't know, didn't really know what they were doing that game. Maybe like I'm not sure. Like I don't fault Impact for it because I think the whole team just played it weird. Yeah, it's Impact that's going to look the worst because he's the one that is that piece of that roaming piece, and obviously he's dying when trying to get vision. He didn't do much outside of I guess pressure them off of a drag, sort of, and stop a couple of bases one time. That was pretty much it. Um, and then there was the game against 100 Thieves. Um, I actually didn't think they played too bad. I just thought 100 Thieves played a little bit better. Uh, I, I think a lot of people might laugh at this, but I actually thought Jojo Pion looked pretty good on the Akali. And I think the reason why people might laugh is because there was a couple times where he just gets absolutely one shot. For me, that was more out of desperation 
like you're behind you're losing the game you need to make something happen and so he goes to make something happen and just gets absolutely popped that was like whatever um he really did do a good job of looking for fbi and picking him off in a couple of fights and so i actually thought jojo pion had a, a better game on the akali um than we saw last week because i didn't think he looked too good last week and so dignitas picking going one and one this week was about how they played for me um it's just the game that they won i don't think they necessarily should have and the game that they lost maybe they should have lost because 100 these played better but i didn't think eg played all that bad i guess is what i'm saying yeah, I don't think EG played it bad at all. So I think, you know, people are, it feels like people are underrating 100 Thieves a little bit um, just because of their early exit and lock-in. But, like, dude, like, it's still a really strong team. There is no shame in losing to one of the best teams in the league. Uh, the former yeah. summer champs, the team who everyone presumed was going to be looking the best at the start of the season based off of our knowledge that TL wasn't going to have their full roster. So, like we said right from the get-go, like, EG being 2-2 two and two is in a really good spot. Having played three of the three and one teams so far in the split, like you're going to pick up some easy wins going forward. And you know, this is going to this is a team that is going to be in the top five sooner rather than later in terms of standings. Like next week, it could be. Yeah, I could see that. They're they're definitely still a team that you don't want to fuck around with. They they are good. Um, next up is Golden Guardians. Now, Golden two Guardians, and two as well, but uh... they are two and two. Man, watching this team try to close out games is quite painful but i will still say that i actually think this team is good it's just the mistakes they do make are like incredibly costly we mentioned the level one that they had early against tsm that was like a mistake that like that's an easy fix just don't fight level one forehead you don't need to take that fight and you can still be just fine um so that's one uh what else there was the game last week against Cloud9 where Pride Stalker's absolutely popping off and then he tries to dive the tower bot lane. Like, these mistakes are like, you don't need to do these things. They're easily avoidable and uh, fixable, I would say. But they're just so damn costly. And they're able to get leads. This team is good. At, they might even have a lead in every one of their games so yeah, far. I, so I, fact check me on that. I was listening to uh, the, what's it called? The Jets thingy that he does. What's it called? JLXP? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um And... He was, I don't remember if it was him or Freak, they were talking about Golden Guardians in the assistance. And they were basically outlining, like, based on all the stats, Golden Guardians has one of the best early games in the whole league. Interesting. Um, and I thought, yeah, first of all, I was like, oh, wow, that's super interesting. And I, I do think that, you know, people might be sketched out a little bit at this team because of the games that we've seen from them. They lost uh, early on to FlyQuest when FlyQuest was running the funnel. They had the, you know, scare against TSM where they almost lost that game where they were, you know, pretty much ahead from you know 10 minutes to 30 minutes and it was just like oh my god is golden guardians actually going to lose this game but this team is getting leads in the early game their laning is actually really really good one of the stats that freak did say was like they averaged nine tower plates pre 14 minutes a game that's pretty just damn like good. that's a lot of gold like that's basically yep. means you're taking two full towers worth of gold before 14 minutes and you know to play devil's advocate though wouldn't that be like they played against fly they play, quest, right they played against and, they played against one funnel game yes that's correct okay that's what i was gonna um, ask how many more they had okay so one game yeah but but still i mean this is a team that's having strong early games and you know again maybe this is my bias a little bit but i do like to see despite a team maybe not looking the best or a team struggling teams that can make things happen in the early game i think and you know are struggling in their mid and late game is a much easier fix than teams who don't know what they're doing in the early game. So I think, you know, going I forward, 
yes, Golden Guardians, they have a lot to clean up in their mid and late game. It kind of, I think it, most of it stems around their decision making because it does feel like, you know, we get to points in the game and Golden Guardians just kind of freeze up. Like, oh, like they don't want to go for like the 60 40 plays or like they don't know if they want to start up Baron or like they don't know if they want to. Or they'll stray away from their win condition that we saw that last week. Yeah. So it's, it's just, you know, I think it's, something that's going to come along with time. And I think this is still a really, you know, this is a good team. I think this is a team that's going to be probably fighting for sixth place. Like I, I put them sort of like I, I group uh, Dignitas, Immortals, and Golden Guardians are going to be the three teams that are really fighting for that sixth place um, uh, going forward. And, you know, I have faith in Golden Guardians. I think they're, yes, they're two and two is a bit sketchy and there are some concerns there, but I do think there has been more good than bad. Um, and I'm sort of, Me too. I'm, I'm confident that they'll look better. That that might not translate to wins necessarily because they they're like they got they got good teams to play still. But uh, I think they're gonna lose the games that they probably should lose. But they're also gonna win the games that they should win. If that makes sense. Okay, I want to ask you who is the best player on this team? On Golden Guardians. Yes. And who do you think I think is the best player well, on this team? Uh, you think it's Pride Stalker. Absolutely. And I think it's just for me, I think it has to be Pride Stalker by default because like he has just looked the most solid. Like I think other players on Golden Guardians have had like some pop-off games, but he's just been solid. So So I, I came into the season going like, all right, Golden Guardians has had a pretty good history of, of scouting, right? You, I mean, we can remind everyone that the 100 Thieves lineup is in big part due to Golden Guardians finding these players. Um, and then after after week one, I was like, okay, Pride Stalker had a pretty good week one. Yes, he threw in the game against Cloud9. He had a couple of uh-oh plays, I would say. But for the most part, this guy looks really, really good. And the other thing, too, is that He's like the only one playing this Zed in the LCS, and he's looking really good with it, man. Um, the the game against TSM, he is the reason they win that game. Sure, they are starting to throw the game, right? Golden Guardians are starting to throw, oh, but every they single are time, actively throwing the game. Every single time TSM wins a fight, Pride Stalker still somehow found a way to pick off tactical or just one of the carries of TSM. Speak of the one time in the brush, like he's just finding a pick right at the end of that fight that stops TSM from winning that game. And it was like, holy crap, like this guy is nuts, man. I, I can't wait to see. I want to see more Zed. I really do. I hope it doesn't get banned because in a couple of the games he's playing against the, the two of them was against the the smite top where like you're going to get invaded a lot and get pushed out of your jungle. I want to see this guy have a right, have a normal amount of games on the Zed in a normal kind of game. And I think this guy will absolutely pop off. I, anyways, I'm, I'm definitely on the pride soccer hype train. Uh, this guy is Nate. Yeah. And, and I think similar to EG, um, golden guardians is in a good spot sitting at two and two relative to their expectations. So, I think going forward, it feels like all three of these teams in our sort of middle category we have, um, which is basically not zero four and not three and one. Um, I think they're all, you know, looking good. Like I think they're all in good spots. And I think the last thing I'll say is that I think Olive can look a little bit better. He's doing that thing that mid laners like to do where they overextend in side lanes and get picked off. And it's like, come on, guys, like like that's not it's not always just on the mid laner because like you should communicate with your team and your team could tell you like oh this guy's missing blah blah you guys know how it goes but like Olive is overextending and dying a little bit too much but that one TP flank that he made against TSM was nuts um I don't even know if I would advise doing that because you're against a, a Rel who could just turn and engage who was it? was it Rel there was Zinjao um what else I wrote it down or at least I thought he did um oh there was Vex 
as well. Like, you are alone in that TP flank, and he absolutely roasts the TSM squad. Whether that should be a play you make or not is up for debate, but that play was ballsy. And so I guess I'm giving him my pop-off award because that play was sick. Um, I want to see more of that and a little bit less inty in the side lanes from all of it. But I, I guess him overextending in the side lanes is just like, that's kind of a sign that he can be better still. And I think he, I don't think that that's going to continue. And so I think the team as a whole will get better as well. Alrighty. We Next. got all of our three and one teams. Um, obviously, um, you know, the uh, one that I, we think sits above the rest currently is a uh, team liquid. Uh, they got a pretty big win against Cloud9 in a very close game. Um, you know, that was a really fun game to watch, mainly just because we saw sort of another LS-style draft where they picked the, as uh, people would describe, the herbivore jungle in the Karthus. Uh, Blabber, you know, was pretty much farming exclusively for the first 15 minutes of the game, using his ult early and often to farm those first strike procs. Um, if people really don't know what we're talking about... Um, one of the strats you do on Karthus Jungle now is you take First Strike, which is like the new uh, rune they sort of did to replace Klepto, or I guess it replaced Omnistone, but it's like the new Klepto. Um, and you basically get almost a kill's worth of gold every time you just press R. So, you know, we saw a very slow-paced early game out of Cloud9 because they were kind of just trying to farm it up and get Karthus to a point where, okay, we're strong enough to where we want a team fight. And then it feels like the team fighting in this game was great from both sides. We had, like, it felt like... Whichever team was making the engage was the team that was winning the fight. So I just want to clarify. You said the team that stands above the rest. Did you say TL? Is that what you said? Yeah. So, okay. I wasn't sure because I, for me, I think TL is also the best team in the league, but I wasn't sure how you would feel about that. For, for me right now, it's pretty much a conversation between C9, 100 Thieves, and TL. Um, to your point, though, I think the game to point at is the C9 versus TL game. That was the one that I thought, like, even though it wasn't the cleanest, you would still see a lot of good plays, a lot of solid play, I would say. Um, you mentioned the Blabber playing the Karthus. I want to see it again, man. I want to see that the Karthus again, because I do think Blabber made a couple of hiccups that game. He got his ulti interrupted a couple of times. Um, but I think that if that doesn't happen, I think the game looks completely different. And you, you could go back and forth in that game and say this was each team. There's a point in that game where it's this team's turn to win or, or game to win. Um, and that did go back and forth, but uh, anyways, still both these teams looking at like they're at the top, honestly. Yeah, um, I think you know when we take a look at TL right now, um, they have a lot of star power on this roster. Uh, they got like a Bipo, Santorin, Dirksen, Hans Sama, and Core JJ is riding the bench right now. But uh, it does feel like Ayla is sort of filling in quite well. I see a lot of talk about like, oh wow, like you don't even notice that Core JJ is not playing, and I'm like, <laughs> dude, like, yeah. This guy, we like about that last week, didn't we? And uh, maybe not, like maybe not enough, but like, dude, like, imagine this team with Core JJ because Ayla's, Ayla's just playing Thresh and peeling Hansama, where Core JJ's Thresh is going top and like diving level four or doing yeah. something like, like, I feel like people are underestimating what Core JJ does in these games by just saying like, oh yeah, Ayla's just like playing as well as Core JJ or Ayla's a good replacement for Core JJ. Like, dude, like this team is gonna get even better and get Core JJ back. Don't even mention like just the laning. Jay's laning is also really, really good, despite him, you know, leaving the lane level three and four most games. I agree. So for, for me, Ayla this weekend, I didn't necessarily like the Leona game. I thought that there was quite a uh, a bit of misses. Like, this is going to sound super picky, but like, he's myth missing a lot of spells on Leona, which is like, in that particular game, that was their main source of engage, and they had double poke. Like, if you're playing the, the Jace and the Corky, 
some solid engage is so good when you have that poke and sure enough they were they were able to come out on top anyways but like if you land just some of those engages like this game is an absolute slaughter um but it wasn't he, he missed quite a few honestly and the one time he had hex flash and he could have hex flashed out of the brush to catch out to Kui and he didn't so there were some plays in that game that i wasn't i did notice core jj i'm like core jj would be better in this game however in the game against cloud nine i actually thought he looked really good on the thresh um so i would say one pretty good game this weekend one not not great not terrible um but to your point like core jj is noticeably missing for me i i am in the camp that you are in as to like we're not m missing core jj i don't know about that man i think we yeah. definitely and uh i think as much as you know bjergsen was sort of the big name acquisition for tl it feels like Bwipo is just the guy he's just like the motor for this team that does everything Whippo's the best player in the league right now i think yes. i think Whippo is the absolute stud right now um in that game against cloud nine i mentioned how he interrupted blabber the ulti on the karthus the one time and then immediately right after finds the flank with the the gragas e flash into blabber he gets popped and i'm just like wow like what can Whippo not do and then he played the jace game uh against FlyQuest and he's just one-shotting Johnson <laughs> like he's just absolutely one-shotting carries and so I'm like well this guy's just 1v9ing every freaking game um yeah definitely looking like the the MVP right now I mean yeah we're two weeks in but even if you go back to like lock-in you could say that there's a better sample size of games and Pwipo's been the best so far this year mm -hmm. um I I think you know I get we got any more we're saying about TL or yeah, I, I do got a little bit more. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about with TL is that they are playing pretty slow. Outside of Whippo, there's not really much happening um, in the early game. And the thing is, I, it feels like this is by design. Um, so they're playing, like, Bjergsen's pretty much playing Corky or, um, or Zillion, which, like, you're not going to be playing a hella aggro early game, right? You're just sitting to scale. And I totally get why you would do that. That is pretty much your win condition because if Corky and Zillion scales, you're in a great freaking spot. And a lot of times they're playing it with Jinx, by the way. So again, another champion that's fine to scale. The only thing that I'm afraid of, and I think you may have heard me say this before, JNT, is like, can you just reliably scale like that when it comes to international competition? Like, okay, guys, I realize it's February right now. I get that. And, and international competition is quite a ways away. But like we've seen this before where slow teams just get absolutely stomped in international competition. We, I'll remind people that Bjergsen Zillion, even though it's great, got destroyed at Worlds the last time he was there. And so it's like, I don't blame them for playing this way. It's working. It's, it's like they're winning games. But I don't know if like, I, I guess what I want to say is I hope they have other things in their arsenal because this can't be your only weapon of just play slow and scale. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I've always been vocal about that. And I'm afraid that they're going down that path. But I mean, it is early. It is yeah, early. I, I'm sort of with you on the on your point where like it feels like they are playing slow by design because it, it really feels like this team sort of operates based on how the lanes are going. And more often than not, TL is winning all their lanes because their players are just straight up better. Like Whippo in almost every case scenario is better than his opposition. I think Summit, you know, gave yeah. him a good run for his money in this game. We saw Summit get out to a 20 CS uh, lead early, but I think the majority of people recognize that the Aatrox was a pick meant to beat Gragas early and be better in the side lane. Whereas, yep. you know, Gragas, um, in this case, you know, Whippo did the sort of, he did like a hybrid Gragas, but it was, it was tank Gragas and he was going to provide much more utility in the team fights. Bjergsen, more often than not, is going to be better than the enemy laner. And Han Sama, more often than not, is going to be better than the enemy bot lane. And it's kind of just like, you know, TL likes to play their lanes. They like to get their place. They like to get their gold. And then Santorin just kind of like walks around, covers lanes. Sometimes they take a dragon. Um, 
but I just think it is a bit funny where it feels like any Bjergsen team that we're talking about, whether it's right now on Team Liquid or whether it's any TSM team in the past, it just always feels like the team is just sort of a reactive scaling team. And we've always had a problem with that. It feels like whenever we sort of yeah. talked about TSM previously, like, yeah, sure. Like this is a formula that's going to win an A for sure, but is it going to win an international competition? And that's just a question mark. And I feel like the We've only reason seen it win NA, that's the thing, right? Like we know it's going to win here. But the exact, but the exact reason why we need to sit down and talk about this right now is I think the majority of fans are expecting that TL is going to be a team to represent North America on the international competitions, whether or not that's both right. MSI and worlds. I think it is because I think this is the number one team in the league on paper, or even if, you know, it's just worlds, like we want to see this team succeed internationally. Like, come on, dude, like let's look at North American rosters from right now to the past. If this team can't do well at Worlds, like, what team can? Like, just the straight-up caliber of players that they have. It's a and, good question. Like, you know, I, I want this team to do well for North America's sake because if this team doesn't do well, like, Jesus Christ, like, we are doomed. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more. And maybe this is a meta thing, right? Because Jinx is so strong and Zillion's so strong and Corky's so strong. Maybe if these champions get nerfed because they or, or other champions get buffed, for that matter, maybe we do see TL lean into something else. Maybe this just, the meta right now is to scale. So maybe that's... The thought process, I don't, I don't know, but uh, I will say, I, I we've seen TSM. Uh, the last time Bjergsen was playing with TSM, they played really slow. They won North America. They went to Worlds and got hard clapped. So that's that's kind of what I'm afraid of. But again, it's early. I want to talk a little bit more about Cloud Nine now from their perspective in that game against TL. Um, a lot of the the scare, or the the worries, I guess, uh, coming in was communication errors or communication issues rather. And I think we did see that in that game, specifically with Summit, a couple of times. There was the time, so we talked about how he was landing against Whippo, and we talked about how he played it, um, the uh, the Aatrox into the Gragas. And Freak mentioned on broadcast that he thought that the Aatrox could flash forward and kill the Gragas along with the Karthus ulti. And I actually agree with Freak on that play. And I wondered, I was like, is this something that like he didn't feel comfortable doing because he couldn't communicate with his jungler in English? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But then we saw later on another team fight over towards the blue buff where Summit is in there and the rest of Cloud9 is not. And I'm like, I don't know. This is kind of looking like communication issues. And you can't ever know until you hear the comms and you get more of an idea. Um, but it definitely looked like communication issues were present in that game particularly. So I don't know. that. Could that be fixed? Of course it can. Um, but right now, it's like, that's definitely one of the reasons why I would put them behind TL. Yeah. Um, like I said, I think, you know, this was a good game out of both teams, in my opinion. Yep. Um, we saw sort of TL take control of the game early on. Excuse me, with uh, their plays around bot lane. Uh, with Hansum and Ayla getting solo kill onto Berserker and Winsome, uh, blowing, a flat, blowing Berserker's flash level one, then killing Winsome, and then basically diving on a stacked wave. Um, a couple minutes later, where they killed Berserker and then they zoned Winsome off the entire wave. And despite that, you know, Cloud9 kind of clawed their way back into the game after a good fight towards uh, the second drag spawn, where, you know, we kind of saw the power and the strength of their comp in initiating fights with the Karthus ult and the uh, Jin ult, because it felt like that was how every team fight played out, where Cloud9 was trying to start the fight off with the heavy poke from Karthasar and from Jinnar, and then the follow-up with the major engage of Aatrox, Rakan, and Irelia, with, like, Jin and Karthas kind of coming in the back and cleaning up. And Cloud9 was doing, like, really a really great job team fighting in this game, um, both at that bot side drag fight, and then um, when the next drag was spawning, or maybe it was after the drag, like, it was in between 
uh, the third and fourth Drake spawn, or either the double TP flank uh, in mid lane. Um, so when you look at it from the Cloud9 perspective, I think, you know, you can come away from this game. Yeah, sure, you know, they didn't win, but they looked really good on another new strategy that presumably Blabber doesn't have a lot of practice on, because I don't think he's ever played Karthus before. And, uh, you know, obviously he made some individual mistakes with kind of alting too close to enemy CC, got his mm -hmm. ult canceled, I think, three times in, in various, you know, important team fights. And obviously, you know, the situation you were just talking about in their uh, fight after they had taken their second Baron buff, I think it was, and they went for a fight in the enemy blue side jungle, and Summit and Blabber sort of went in very early without the backup of the team, and, uh, you know, that was kind of what, you know, turned the game into TL's favor, because they were able to get Soul off of that, and then, you know, Jinx and Corky were kind of too fed. I want to ask you, though, as the Cloud9 fan, would you like to see Blabber run back the Karthus? You know, if it, presumably it's going to be a style that Cloud9 is going to play, so yeah. I mean, like I said uh, in our first episode, or maybe it was even our episode before the start of the season, like now is the time to start experimenting with things. Saw we saw the That's Enchanter, true. we saw the Enchanters week one. We didn't see any Enchanters week two, um, and that was you know that's kind of what I assumed was that you know we were going to see a lot of Enchanter bands thrown at them, and then the Cloud9 was going to try to play more standard. Um, so you know, uh, run back the Karthus, dude. Like better to try it now out now than later. We did see the Zillion, and I realized Enchanter, Zillion, not exactly. I, 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 don't, like, I don't consider that an Enchanter pick. Yeah, I think that, that, people borderline pe sort of, right? But it is like, a supportive... Sorry, go ahead. I don't know. I, I see... I, Zillion's a control mage. Like, he plays like a control yes. mage. So, like, I know people want to just group him in as an Enchanter, quote-unquote, because, like, oh, that's the Fudge playstyle. But, like, dude, like, it's basically just a control mage. I'll tell you why it's an Enchanter, though, because... What enchanters do is they buff the AD carry a lot of the time and they get survivability. Both of those things happen from Zillion. So I realize he's not healing and shielding. I, I get that. But like being able to ulti someone and prevent them from dying, that's kind of a Lulu thing right there. And it's also a Zillion thing. So I, I realize to call it an enchanter is not exact, but you can see where I'm coming. Yeah, I think the I mean, idea is the same to play a supportive style. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fine, but it just has the play style yeah. of a control mage, so it's yeah. it's not like he's, you know, buying supportive items and, like, trading, like, you know, getting to a certain point of the game, then he's giving up a farm for the rest of his team. Zillion, like, we, we've, we've mentioned, it feels like, three episodes in a row now, like, Zillion is broken. Yeah. Just pick I the champion. I don't care who you are. Just play it. I know I mentioned to, to you last week, or maybe you mentioned it to me. We talked about this. I don't remember if we talked about it on the podcast, though, that, like, Fudge should be playing the Zillion, uh, or anyone should be playing the Zillion because of how good this champion is. Um, yeah, I'm not surprised at all that Fudge picked it up. Uh, that's something I expect to see either more bans for or more picks, because I do think that champion's kind of nutty. Um, back to the, the Karthus thing, uh, Azale mentioned quite a few times on broadcast how much value you were getting with First Strike or whatever the hell the name of the thing First that he strike, is. Yeah. How much, how much gold you were getting. It's pretty and much 300 per ult. Yeah, you were, he was mentioning how you're almost getting a kill every time you ulti. And I'm like, that is insane. You could just ulti it. Like, I realize now it's on cooldown and you can't necessarily teamfight. I, I get that it has fallbacks, but if there's ever a dragon that's taken uncontested and you haven't ulted yet, walk away and ulti because there's a good chance, especially if you're playing against TL, that you're not going to be fighting anytime soon until the next dragon comes up. And so specifically, I, I really want to see uh, the Karthus come back, but specifically against TL the next time they play. I think it would be a good strat as long as uh, the meta hasn't shifted too much by that time. Um, We'll shift over to 100 Thieves now because I think, you know, people might be saying or they might be thinking like, 
100T is beat Team Liquid. And, hey, dude, that's a completely fair argument. If you want to peg 100T as, as the number one team and the team to beat, I think you can do that. And I think you can make an argument for that. I think, you know... I almost did. <laughs> well, I... Dude, I think you could go either way with TL or 100 Thieves. I would personally put it as TL, but I mean, I, I think 100 Thieves is very, very close behind in terms yes. of their performances. However, I just want to see them play some more games, especially against other top teams. Like, I want to see, like, 100 Thieves versus Cloud9. That's going to be a very premier matchup. Um, and I want to see, you know, 100, Th 100 Thieves win the games they're supposed to and not lose these games to teams like Immortals. I really felt bad. Uh, for closer on the Viego that game against Immortals because I thought he was actually having such a nice game. He goes through the mist and, and finds a way to get onto the back line and, and ends up picking up a bunch of kills, gets a bunch of resets, gets fed. They lose one team fight and the game just ends. And I'm like, man, that doesn't do justice for just how good this guy's playing. Uh, we've seen closer play the Viego before and 1v9 so many games with it. This felt like it was going to be another one of those. Like we mentioned earlier, credit to PoE who basically 1v9 on the other side. Um, but look, this team is looking good for the most part. Um, I mentioned Abadage had a pretty slow start. I think he's starting to pick it up. Someday looked great this weekend. Um, specifically the Trindomir game. He is absolutely one-shotting people. And it's, I, I tweeted something along the lines of like, okay, well, I guess we're going to see more someday because at the start of the year, it was someday in Tenacity, we're going to maybe split time or they weren't really sure who the starter was. I don't remember exactly what the messaging was, but you had this idea that tenacity could be starting and i still thought that that was possible even though we only saw, i think we only saw him play one game in lock-in was it we didn't see a lot of tenacity yeah he just played, thought he maybe, just played the one game i thought maybe there's a chance we would see him and then someday is just looking better and better every weekend so i'm like well how the hell is tenacity gonna see the rift now if someday is just looking good it's not even a dig on tenacity i wanted to see him i wanted to see what he's got but someday's looking good right now i don't see why you would swap at the moment yeah, I'm pretty impressed with Someday right now. Obviously, you know, I've wasted my opinions on Someday a lot in the past, and he's stepping it up. I think he's playing really well. Um, I think, for the most part, all of 100 Thieves is playing really well. Uh, the only person that I'll point to, I think, you know, is playing pretty average to below <laughs> average Sabadage. I think... Yeah, I agree. Feels like... Uh, in, sorry, Someday and Abadage have kind of flip-flopped their... Uh, they flopped their, like... <laughs> Uh, like what's the word? I'm performance level? Yeah, they're yeah. I guess their level of performance because it just feels like Abadage is there, and his yeah. job is to like not get shit on, and they'll just win. Um, and it's just weird because I think Abadage obviously had a really good summer split when he first joined the team, uh, midway through 2021, and he was like a premier player, and like now it just feels like he's kind of just average right now. I think we're expecting him to obviously pick it up. <clears throat> Um, especially in this sort of a meta that I think really favors him, which is, you know, heavy control mage oriented with the Victor with, you know, we saw some Oriana and Locken, I believe, and we've seen him on the rise, but he just looks average. I think he's getting there. I, I think he definitely had a slow start. I think he's starting to get there. He had a pretty good Victor game this weekend where he's putting out a lot of damage. Um, and I remember in Locken, I don't know if you'll remember this. Do you remember in Locken, the game against FlyQuest, he takes a really lazy path back to mid and Jose Diodo is like, oh, okay, and just kills him? That almost happened in another game this weekend. I don't remember which one it was, but I see him taking the same path and I'm like, no, man, not again. He stops, turns around and goes the long way. And I'm like, all right. He learned from his mistake just a couple of weeks ago. So, like, I don't know. I see signs of him 
uh, not repeating the same mistakes as he, that he had been. And I think he, he's starting to look a lot better. And I think eventually he will look like himself again. Like, if we're still only mid-February. Like, I, I think Abadage is still a great mid laner and will be one of the best in the league. So, yeah, 100 Thieves, you could again, like you mentioned, you could argue that this is the best team in the league right now, and it wouldn't be a shock to a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think Abadage, he's still got, like, room to improve, and that's a good thing for them. Like, 100 Thieves is also, like... You know, they're like I feel like I'm saying this for like a lot of teams. Like they're in a good spot. Like yep. one of their best players is not playing very well yet. They're still three and one, and they're still looking really good. And one of their underperforming players has really picked it up in some days. So, um, yep. like I said, I am interested. You know, specifically for 100 Thieves in that matchup against Cloud Nine, and also just ensuring that they win the games that they're supposed to against these lower tier teams. Because you know, I'm trying to think if it was. Maybe it was them. I think it was them in summer last split when they were just dropping a lot of games to some pretty average teams. Like, I remember, like, they lost a couple of games to, like, Immortals, Dignitas, and FlyQuest in their second half of the round robin. So, uh, just as long as uh, we're on the straight and narrow, 100 of these will be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next up is Dignitas. Dignitas, oh my god, man. That game against EG made me so damn sad this weekend. It was I... a bit of a yikes. Because, dude, Dignitas could have had a 4-0 start. Like, that would be so insane to me. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. Um, look, okay, in that game, they're starting to realize that they're getting outscaled. And sure, you could fault them for not doing enough at, uh, earlier on in the game that allowed them to get outscaled. Sure. My biggest problem in that game is that once you've committed to the, to the split push, then you have Blue at the end of the game not going for the Nexus. Look, everyone realizes you're probably going to die if you go for that. But you have to, man. You have to go for that. You have to do something. Your team is getting wiped on the other side of the map. That was really, really strange to me. And, like, I don't think Blue is going to be a KDA player. I really don't. But that felt like a KDA moment. Pretty disappointed that. That was quite some bean soup of me. Yeah, it was actually really close because both Biofrost's Lux ult that he sort of blind shot into the enemy jungle, or I guess into his own jungle, but they didn't have vision of it because they were obviously kind of in their base. Um, it just barely missed Jojo Pion on the Corky, which would have stopped his base. And then when Fake God sort of, you know, flash dashes into five people to try to stop additional bases, he barely, he, he like just doesn't get into range of Jojo as he finishes the recall. So there was like... If it wasn't for, like, a slightly angled Lux laser and, like, 0.1 seconds from Fake God being able to get on top of him and stop his base, like, they would actually won that game. So uh, I definitely can appreciate the balls on Dignitas to go for that play at the end. However, it was pretty painful to just see them fail to recognize the situation that they were in where they, you know, they just didn't want to fight for their soul. Like, to be honest, like, in my eyes, the way that I saw this game, like, EG gifted them three dragons in a row by not playing for bot side. Like we said when we were talking about EG, it was just weird how they played it where they pick the smite top, they go for drag control, they get the first drake, everything's cool. And then second, third, and fourth drakes, we just see either Inspired or a solo laner off on the other side of the map, and Nig's like, okay, we'll take the free dragon. And then, you're, you know, you're up three drakes to one with Mountain Soul, Mountain Soul one of be being one of the best souls in the game. And your team that is obviously falling off when you have Caitlyn Lux Renekton, and you just don't want to fight for anything. And if you they don't want, they could to... have really used Mountain Soul that game. Man. Oh, for Corky, sure. Corky hit two rockets on Biofrost, and he disappeared. Yeah. No, I mean, 
it just felt really weird from Dig. They're basically unwillingness to force fights when they were the poorer scaling team and then sort of not recognizing and not committing to the split push when they really needed to yeah and the last thing i gotta talk about is i need to flame the renekton pick i think that is absolutely the reason why they lost the game i i i, I mentioned at the start of the show i'm not going to try to harp on this for too much but like i don't see why so many teams are picking Renekton blind on, on blue side B5? Like, I don't understand. There's so many better picks. You see that they already have the Karma locked in. So you think there's a good chance that they're going to do that. But regardless, like, what is Renekton going to do this game, man? Like, you need some engage. You could have picked a, a variety of different things. You could have picked Orn for the engage. You could have picked Camille. Like, you could have picked, uh, I, I don't know, even Jace if you want to get some poke off or something. Was Jace available? Jace was available. Like, I just thought that this pick made no sense. I don't think there's ever a world where you're going to get much out of it. And uh, I think that definitely showed as the game went on. Yeah, it, it was weird because, I mean, to give uh, Dig a little bit of credit, you know, they did pick the Karma early, but at that point it was a flex pick because they actually last picked Leona. So they saved their support for last pick and yes. then ended up flexing the support top. And I can understand the logic of, okay, if we blind pick Renekton here, Theoretically, it's a good blind pick, just in general, if they're going to play a standard top laner. Because, like, like Renekton's not... I mean, it's a bad champion, but it's not, like, a terrible champion. It's weaker than what it used to be, especially after the Gore Drinker changes, um, the various nerfs the champs got, plus all the item changes that just came out. Like, Sterex was, like, an insta, like, second buy on Renekton. That doesn't... Nobody buys Sterex second anymore. Some people do, but you shouldn't. Like, just check the math on the item. Um, so in theory, I can see, well, okay, we're going to blind it. If they play a regular top, it's okay, sure. And if they pick a, if they end up flexing this Karma, it's a champion that still has good wave clear. And, you know, free farm Renekton is still going to be decent. But the problem was is, like I said, Dig just never forced anything. Like, you pick this champion to team fight, and, you know, you obviously are gifted this uh, free landing phase where you're going to get every, you're going to get every tower. You got two towers within 10 minutes. You got the five plates. But then you didn't force anything. You didn't, you didn't any, do anything with it. That was my biggest problem was like, they just didn't recognize that they needed to do something. They were just like, oh, we'll just go for the next one. Or, oh, we'll just go for the next one. And that was something that was really concerning to me was just like Diggs' inability to recognize the game plan in that game, which was like, so, what the fuck's going on here? I am not in the camp that Renekton is just straight up a bad pick. I'm, I'm, I don't think that. I do think that he serves a role. And historically, we've seen him do really well when you want to play around topside with like a carry jungler like Nidalee. You see the, you use W, you stun him, you hit the spear, and it's like free kills top, sure. But right now we're seeing a bunch of like um, uh, hyper carries in the bot lane that like you don't necessarily need carry junglers. And so I don't see why you need the Renekton. That, to me, just makes no sense. If you pick the Jace, you have another good Siege tool. You're playing Caitlyn Lux. You could Siege really well with Poke with, with Caitlyn and Lux. Again, they had no Engage tools. Why not go for Camille? Like, these are champions that you can pick blind, and it's not the end of the world, man. Uh, Orn, even... I know people won't like Orn because they think you have to do a hyper carry in the top lane. If you give Orn a free lane, like, Orn has great scaling. Like, yes, he's just a tank, but he still scales great. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with picking Orn in the side lane. For that kind of thing if you're going to give orn a free lane fine his laning phase is his weakness anyways so i don't know man i i just i hate the pick i don't think renekton does much for you in this specific scenario i think that you need to know what matchup renekton is going to go in before you pick it and uh this was not one of those scenarios and obviously the renekton was fucking useless later and god have we seen that happen 
enough times. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, I, pro it, I promise I'm done with it now. I'll let it, you say your piece. It's just weird because it feels like whenever we do see the smite top come out, it feels like the other team feels like they have to pick this sort of lane dominant champion, one that has good wave clear and one that can take down the towers early. But I'm still just wondering, like, is it not just better to play a sort of scaling champion up against it? It's like because, free scaling. Exactly. Like, sure, you know, there is a lot of strength in having a good early game champion that can clear waves and get those towers down early because it does pressure the other side of the map and does give that really early boost of gold to your own top laner. And presumably, if you're picking an early game champion, that gold in the early game is better served on the champion now than it is, you know, 10 minutes later on the more scaling pick. But, you know, I... And maybe it's just because I don't know, you know, enough about the strat, but I, I just feel like, you know, should we see a more scaling pick in response to Smite Top, it might serve some teams better because it does feel like we get in a ton of situations where the team that is playing against the Smite Top does have a big issue with, you know, team fighting with these non-team fighting champions. Like, we're seeing a ton of graves into the Smite Top, and I think it serves a similar purpose to Renekton where, like, okay, early game champion, lane dominant, and push waves really fast but the champ is just not as good as team fighting as you know a standard tank or engage top so. he gets so kited man all the time actually uh, one thing i will say in favor i said i was done on but i'll, I'll kind of argue against myself actually is that like i mentioned at the start of the show four of the five teams picked it blind on blue side uh to end their draft on day one um so there must be something like I don't have that big of an ego where I think I'm smarter than all the LCS coaches. I just don't see what it is. If anyone in the YouTube comments has a good reason as to why they think Renekton is good blind, please share it. I'm all ears. I, I am totally open to learning why so many teams are picking this. I just can't see what it is. That that's that's where I'm at. Um, so I mean, please enlighten me. I would be I would be more than happy to be told I'm wrong and proved wrong. That'd be great. Um, the other game they played was against CLG. Uh, the only standout thing in that game was that River was on Poppy and had some really nice Poppy ults that like pretty much just won them fights. Mm -hmm. The the one that I'm thinking about specifically is he flanks, he ulties either two or three CLG members out and they clean up the other two, and then they just take the dragon. That play was so clean, and I was like, damn! Like you try to ban as Jarvan and he just comes back with the Poppy and is styling on that as well. Like River's been such a beast, man. River is really good. Yeah, and CLG's not, so free win. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, when I, I didn't watch this game live because uh, I was watching the Super Bowl, but uh, when, I was re when I was watching the game and I just saw like the whole first dragon situation where like Contracts is trying to solo first dragon and like Luger and Poom are like off on the side trying to zone and River just like walks up and like forces Contracts to flash out and River just might steals it. I was like, okay, this shit's over. Like... Jungle's already doomed. It's a huge gap. Go next. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. All right. Next up, there was FlyQuest. Uh, FlyQuest is actually looking pretty good. So they went 2-0 in week one, and we mentioned how, like, it was a pretty shaky 2 -0. Did I say 2-1? They went 2-0. You said 2-0. Okay, good. Um, and it was a shaky 2-0, right? Like, they didn't look all that great. This weekend, I thought they looked a lot better. Uh, Takui looked great, mind you, yes, against TSM, but his Zoe was popping off, man. Holy shit, what a monster. And then his game against TL, he was playing the Orianna. He looked pretty good on that too. So I thought Takui, um, who didn't have the greatest start in Lockin, starting to look pretty good. Um, definitely, I'm becoming a fan for sure. I definitely like what he's doing. Jose Diodo got a lot of picks in the game against TL. He's looking pretty good. 
this lineup, like, dude, how much better is Johnson looking this year compared to last year? My God, what a what a difference. Like, welcome back, Afro. You know, like this team is just looking so much better than I would have anticipated. Yeah, I think people uh, will sort of dub them as the weakest of the three and one teams. I think that's a yes. fair assessment, uh, just Agreed. based off of you know their shaky two zero. Um, plus them also using the smite the smite top strat in both of those games and you know people can sort of chalk that up to the enemy team's sort of uh inexperience uh both playing against it and playing with it and playing around it so you know i think it's a fair assessment to say that flyquest is the weakest of our three and one teams but does that mean that they're you know winning games they shouldn't win or they're just bad like no like they're as you said like they're looking really good takui is looking great johnson's looking great um, I think the you know the biggest concern that the majority of people have for this team is Kumo in the top lane, um, and I think other than him, you know, I'm I'm happy with where FlyQuest is. It feels like I'm saying this for every team, but like FlyQuest looks good, man. Like I I think they're a good team. Even Kumo had a great game on the Orn. Like okay, I'll remind people that TSM just absolutely sprinted it trying to dive him level three or four or something like that. Um, but still, he he was great in that game. Uh, way more valuable than again the Renekton. Uh, the Renekton was picked blind into him. He picked Orn, and we've seen that matchup a million times. The Orn was perfectly fine, had no real issues in lane, and was way more valuable in team fights. Kumo actually had a really, really good game, really nice ultis. Yeah, this team looks pretty decent, and I thought they would be bad. So right now, I'd probably put them out about middle of the pack. Again, I don't think they're to the skill level like you mentioned as the other three and one teams. But I don't think they're too far behind. They, they, I could see them taking games off of some of these. Yeah, I mean, relative to their expectations, like, dude, like, yeah, let's go. Would not have expected that whatsoever. You're wearing the OG FlyQuest jersey. Yes, I am. I'm a little bit too low. I'm a little slouchy. Uh, be a little less slouchy with it. But anyways, um, okay, let's get into the predictions, right, for next week. Yep. Uh, hold up. Let me. Not really jump the gun, but I'll pull them up oh. right now. I jumped the gun. No, that's okay. It's up right now. Um, you got a one-game lead on me. Your Golden Guardians over TSM pick was the one that pushed you over. Um, and it should have been two or whatever. Dignitas. I had Dignitas versus EG. Yeah, Dig should have won that game. So That's why I'm so that salty well. about that game if people don't know. Oh, yeah. God. But, that, uh, game, that game stung. Yeah. It, we got some... We got some Pretty good games this weekend. I think, you know, the ones okay. to initially point out right away, to me at least, are the TSM EG game. Sorry, TLEG game. I don't know why I said TSM. And then uh, TSM versus Cloud9 the next day after. But we'll start from the top. 100 Thieves versus Golden Guardians. Um, 100 Thieves, obviously, I think. So I could see Golden Guardians getting a lead in this game. <laughs> I don't see them holding on to it. Um, I, I might even be cheering for Golden Guardians in this game. I'm not sure. I kind of want both to win. That's no fun. Uh, I'll go 100 Thieves regardless, just because I don't think Golden Guard. If Golden Guardians do get the lead, I don't see them holding. Just not. Next up, Immortals versus TSM. Um, I'm going to go with Immortals on this one. Uh, last week, I did have TSM winning both of their games. I was putting my faith in TSM. I have lost that faith. Um, I don't think they look very good, and I think Immortals... While, yes, Immortals also looked really bad since the start of lock-in, they, they had a pretty good uh, week last week, so... Yeah, they didn't look too bad. Oh, my God. My brain is telling me TSM's got to pick up a win. I don't think it's against this C9. Is, well, this is one of the games they need to win. I'm telling you, like, TSM 1-8 is really possible if they lose this. Okay, I'll go TSM. I'll take, which is, I can't believe this is an upset, but I'll take TSM. 
I'll take the upset. All right, next up, rematch of the lock-in finals. TL versus EG. I'm going to roll with TL still. Um, yep. I just don't... I haven't seen anything since lock-in that would make me think that EG is going to beat TL. Uh, I hope that EG tries to play this game quicker and pretty aggro to get TL out of their we're going to play slow kind of thing. If I'm EG, that's that's I'm I'm trying to play a really aggro game. I don't know if they'll be able to do it, so I'm taking TL. I also think Whippo's just a god, how I mentioned earlier. You got the best player in the league right now on your team. I'm going TL. Yeah, I just on that note really quickly, because I do think that is, you know, a winning strategy that you can use against Team Liquid at the moment, the way that they're playing. But when we saw lock-in finals, like EG feels like went for that strat by going with the early Twisted Fate pick, and then Bjergsen just countered him with Silas and then like dumped on him and they were just a better macro team. So while I do think that is the way that EG needs to beat TL, we saw that two of the three games in lock-in finals and TL kind of should stomp them. It'd be nice to see Inspired get back to lock-in Inspired. Not that he's been terrible, but like lock-in Inspired was mm -hmm. absolutely popping off. So we'll see if he can bring some of that back. Next up, Dignitas FlyQuest. Uh, the battle of the 3 and one teams. Uh, one of them is going to have to lose a game. Unfortunately, FlyQuest will lose this game as I'm picking Dignitas. Okay, I'm going to also go Dig. Um, but, uh, well, I don't know. I don't really have much to say on it. I think they're both okay teams. Oh, I guess Dignitas, I think, is good. And FlyQuest is okay. Dignitas for me. Uh, last up on Saturday, C9 versus CLG. Uh, Cloud9, thank you. Uh, CLG Cloud balls. Nine. Yeah, Cloud9 okay. for me. Then the next day we have EG versus Immortals. Uh, I will go EG. Uh, I think it, it would be nice to see Immortals show up and get an upset here um, to really show that they're not that bottom feeder, but I don't see it happening. I do think that Immortals matches up fairly well with uh, EG just the way that the teams have sort of performed as of late, uh, because Impact, you know, we look at so far, week one, two, plus lock-in, hasn't looked the greatest. Um, and that's obviously a weakness on Immortals, which is Revenge. Um, Xerxes and Power Weevil are uh, Immortals' best players, and I think, you know, you need that to sort of counter the potential mid-jungle synergy of JoJo and Inspired. And uh, I think, you know, if uh, Turtkey ints the game early, EG's going to run away with it. So I'm picking EG. Um, but I think this will be a close game. I, I got... Okay. EG. Yeah. Uh, next up, FlyQuest versus 100 Thieves. Uh, 100 Thieves, like... 100 Thieves. Yeah. <laughs> uh, TSM versus Cloud9. I can't take TSM twice. I, I, no, I, no, not happening. Cloud9. I, I can't even take them once. Cloud9. <laughs> okay. uh, Golden Guardians versus Dignitas. Uh, similar situation to the sort of Dig versus FlyQuest game where... You know, I think both of these teams are looking good. Dig is just the better team. I think both... The, you know what's weird is that these are two of the best early game teams in the league. So that's pretty interesting. I, I am really interested to see what goes on in the early game. Um, but for the same reasons I mentioned before, I don't trust Golden Guardians to hold on to a lead. So even if they get it, Dignitas. For uh, last up, TL versus CLG. It's going to be a shellacking TL oh. for me. Team Liquid for me as well. Okay. So I'm pretty sure then TSM does play CLG next week. So based on my predictions, it's going to be the battle of 0-6. So you can pick up their first win on the season. If TSM does win that game against Immortals, you'll have them at that one win. Um, but it'll be, I think, you know, the timeline has been set up for the battle of last place 0-6 versus 0-6. That's the following week. Okay. All yeah. righty. We shall see. All right, uh, let's get into some quick news. Let's talk about Champions Q, actually. Uh, 
most people seem really, really happy with it. And I know it's only a week in, but like lots of good things you're hearing about Champions Q. Yeah, first thing to just note is apparently they are increasing the rank restriction for it. Um, so instead of like originally when they released it, it was you had to be Masters Plus to apply. Um, a lot of people got invited right from the get-go. Uh, pro players, academy players, amateur players, plus like former pros and academy players and whatnot. Um, but now you have to be Grandmaster Plus to apply. So either the theory for me my theory here is that like they were like oh let's just make sure that we can get enough people so that we can run this thing and maybe they didn't anticipate it would be as popular as it is because you hear about how there's like 10 different games happening at once or something like that so maybe they're like oh okay people are going to use this thing let's increase it to gm rather than just yeah i think that's part of it i also do think that you know, in terms of, like, presumably, uh, there's probably a lot of applications from Masters Plus players, and I just assume, like, the majority of them, like, were probably just, like, a hardcore no, so it's just, like, One well, tricks? You know, that or just, like, dude, like, you're not going to invite some random, like, Masters 50 LP player to play in a game of Academy, LCS pros, Academy pros, and amateur players, so. You hear that, Manders? I hope he's in the chat. You hear that? You're not it wasn't around here, dude. You were—he was Grandmasters not too long ago. I know, I know. I'm just, dude. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have faith in you, Manders. There were quite a few um, notable tweets that uh, just hearing people talk about it or different players talk about it. The one thing that stood out was a Blaze Olive tweeting that like there's a very real meta, and like I kind of wonder, like, well, if there's a very real meta for Champions Q, you have to wonder how this is going to affect the LCS. In theory. Because all these games are being played, you would hope that this would help North America adapt to the metas a lot quicker, right? Um, because it's more, well, it's more 5v5 rather than just solo queue where you're just picking your random crap. I think this is, that, that's, that is a very underrated thing in my opinion, um, that metas are forming. I think that helps the players get, I well, took, their practice is just so much better. Yeah, I, I took that as not that like there's, did you mean like a different meta? Or just like that a meta exists because the way that I saw that was like it's obviously not like solo queue where you're picking whatever you want to pick and like you you follow the meta that that's how I interpreted that as or were Wait, you what saying do you mean? what well, are you saying are, are you saying that there's a different meta in champions queue in comparison to you know scrims and whatever like actual scrims I'm not saying that there's a different meta one way or another. I'm just saying that because there is a meta, like uh, Blaze Olive was tweeting out that there is a meta for Champions Q. And I feel like that will heavily influence the meta in the LCS. Not to mention, you're seeing what a lot of players are, are playing. Like, you're more likely to practice this, right? You can't hide your account. So you're seeing what other people are playing. And that could also affect pick ban as well and force you onto other things. Like, there's a lot of things that could be affected just by there being a meta in Champions yeah, I guess my point is, is the way you're wording it makes it sound like there's a different meta in Champions Q relative to what happens in the LCS. I don't know. Maybe I'm just like interpreting it wrongly, but I, I didn't mean to interpret it that way. Okay. I, I just thought it's interesting to me. That's all. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think that, you know, if you do watch some of the games, I mean, the main streamers that I've been watching when I do want to tune into some of the games um, are Lorlo. And RJS, just I feel like those are like the main two guys who are pretty much always streaming their games and are always in the queue for it. Uh, and plus they're like NA players, so, you know, it just makes it the easiest. Um, I thought it, they've been really fun to watch. I think, you know, since I have been watching Lorlo, there's been a bunch of uh, Enchanter top games, plus also like 
in multiple games, like they're literally banning five enchanters against Lorlo if they know that he's <laughs> in the game because they don't want to play against it. That's uh, funny as hell. Yeah, also Pobelter was streaming. I was actually watching him a couple days ago. Um and I was watching Malice earlier today, who's uh, the C9 mm. Academy jungler. He's been what, what a... he's been really playing uh, the lethal tempo Udir. Ah, he's see. been like a big fan of that, so been spamming um, that a lot. One of the other things that I saw, like as far as tweets are concerned, was LS saying that like he can't transfer one of his Korean accounts to Champions Q or whatever. And so I don't think he's able to get into it at the moment or something like that. Or yeah, he, he was saying he how to he, start a fresh account or something. Yeah, he, he was just saying how he can't transfer one of his accounts. And therefore, like the only way he can play is he has to like manually level an account from one to 30, then grind it all the way up to Grandmasters Plus. Which is um, a little bit of a drawback. I, I mean, honestly, no, that's actually a really big drawback because the reason why that's so big is because he's already a really busy fucking guy, you know? And, like, he could actually get a lot of value of playing it himself. We we know that he's been pretty vocal that he'll do 1v1s with his own players and stuff like that to get some intel on certain matchups and whatnot. So, to me, that's a long grind and could actually kind of hold Cloud9 back a little bit. So, I actually think that's pretty significant. Yeah, the, the main other thing that he said is because coaches don't get given accounts like the players do. Yeah. So he can't like instantly get a good or a higher MMR ranked account to where he'll hit diamond, you know, like instantly basically. And uh, the the last thing, I think this was Cadrill, correct me if I'm wrong, but someone tweeted out like what happens if since NA is in uh, or uh, since Worlds is in NA, like what will happen when Worlds comes around? Like if all the LCK players come over and they hit rank one in Champions queue, if they're allowed to play in Champions queue. Uh, do they just win the cash prize and then take off after Worlds? I was like, oh yeah, I didn't really think of that. Because you would think that you would want to get these players some Champions Q accounts when they come over. Like you wouldn't want the, them to play NA solo queue. Yeah, so I, I would I assume that that's going to work. Considering how heavily the Eastern pros flame NA solo queue whenever they're in NA for a particular reason, whether it's a MSI or Worlds, I think. When was N when was MS MSI last in NA like 2018 or something? Or, oh, I, don't I don't know. I don't remember. But I just remember, especially like Worlds 2016 when it was in NA, all the pros were basically saying how dog shit NA solo queue is, and like they can't play it, and junglers didn't want to jungle, and supports didn't want to support because of how like toxic it was to do that and whatever. So I would assume that you know any Eastern pros that come over for Worlds are gonna, they're gonna get Champions queue accounts. And think about how much more vocal people are nowadays. Like, players have always been pretty vocal about things they're not happy with, but, like, it would be a real nightmare to hear what people have to say about any solo queue now in Season 12. Like, yeah. Anyways, it, it would be quite bad. So we'll see what happens if they can get into Champions queue and how that stuff all works out. Uh, next up, uh, there was a Faker interview that was done, and that was article was, like, posted and was top of Reddit, and uh, the premier quote that was, like, the headliner for the article was, he said, I don't think age has as great of an effect on performance as before. And I thought that was an interesting quote, and I just wanted to talk about it really quickly, because mm -hmm. it felt like eSports, like, age was, like, talk of the town, you know, in, like, 2015, 2016, 2017, where basically, you know, we reached a point in, I'm just, I guess, we'll mainly reference LCS here, but we reached a point where there was a ton of LCS veterans who were there from the start and then were sort of getting weeded out in, you know, 2015, 2016, 2017. And there was like a huge, you know, player turnover. And that's kind of what we see nowadays is a lot of player turnover between splits and between seasons. And, you know, I think, you know, we have seen a pretty big shift in the last maybe three or four years 
relative to age being a discussion because it does it did feel like you know when you hit like 24 25 a few years ago like you were already like an esports boomer and now we're seeing some of the best league players in the world be at the age of you know 25 26 27 and even 28 nowadays so i just thought that was a really interesting sort of discussion around that especially i don't mean how old is faker now he's 25 right Faker's 25. i don't know how old he is but for me, it's kind of been clear for a little while now that age doesn't really matter. I feel like that kind yeah. of, I feel like that's kind of been put to bed for some time now. Like we talked, we were just talking about er earlier how good Afro is looking now that he's back with Johnson. And like honestly, Afro, how old is Afro? He's probably like thirty almost. He's maybe twenty nine or something, twenty eight. So like I don't know. To me, just I'm not surprised by that. I I don't. I thought that we were past that, honestly. I didn't know that this was something people still talked about. And so when I saw the Faker quote, I was like, people are still talking about that? What? I, I didn't know. Yeah, I think it also is something that I think, you know, is still a pretty relevant discussion in the Eastern scenes, especially because we do see a lot of, like, young superstar talents from the LPL and the LCK. But we still have, like, these OG players in those regions, like a Doinby, like a Rookie, like a Faker, have been around since you know the, the beginning of the scene basically and are still at the top of their game and at the top of their role so yeah big agree with faker there uh yeah to, well he'll be going he'll be going until he's forced to do his military service or he gets exempt or whatever i heard apparently he's trying to get exempt from that or maybe Dude, not faker's him specifically exempt like he's faker like everyone in korea knows who faker is don't they yeah well i think when uh, this was when ls was on his double lift show with Cadrill. And yeah. I remember, like, they briefly talked about, like, you know, Doublelift was asking LS, like, truly how big is Faker in Korea? And LS said something along the lines of, like, like middle-aged men and women in Korea know who Faker is. Like, yeah. if, like, even if, like, your son's, like, a big game, like, if, like, Korean, like, young Koreans are gamers, like, every, all of them obviously know who Faker is, but also, like, middle-aged people in South Korea know who he is. Like, he's an yeah. easily recognizable person. That guy, he's going to be playing until, like, I don't know. He's, he can never retire. He should be around for quite some time. Uh, last up, we wanted to talk about the LEC a little bit. Um, we haven't talked about the LEC for, I think, since week one, since Vitality started off as the O3. They managed to bounce back a little bit after that. Um, definitely not looking like the absolute super team, though. Um, they're obviously looking better, but they're not looking like the best team in the league. And, uh... The best team in the league, Rogue, dropped two games to Astralis and uh, Miss, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, the Astralis one was funny because I, I mean, I, I think I mentioned this when we last talked about them. Like, if there was a team that could go winless, I thought it was Astralis. They looked really bad, man. Like, the bottom team of the league is always going to look bad. That team looked really, really bad. Like, I, I was, yeah, I couldn't see ways that they were going to win games, and then sure enough, they find. A way to take one off the undefeated team. Um, also, something funny that I just like, especially after this past weekend uh, when Excel beat Fnatic, and they also who what was the other team they beat? I don't remember, and I'm like Excel Stan. I don't refresh my memory, man. Uh, I don't remember. They beat. They went two zero. They beat Fnatic, who apparently, like they said during the broadcast, Excel had never beaten Fnatic in their whole like LEC tenure. I think it was uh, they beat Mad Lions as well, wasn't it? Maybe, dude, I'm like, I, I watch all the LEC games, but like, I'm hella casual. Like, I'm not like, when we're watching LCS, I'm like trying to take notes and crap like that and pay attention. But like, when I'm watching LEC, man, I am goldfish, goldfish brain. Like, I'm not, uh, 
I can't really remember. What I do know is they the, beat BDS. The... I, so, oh yeah, but BDS is not. Either, yeah. Though. My whole reason for bringing up Excel is when we talked about the LEC last time, it was when Mickey had replaced Advien, and everyone was like, "Oh my God, replacing up and coming player with Mickey who played like shit, like yeah. dude, like." We're seeing exactly what I said was going to happen. We're like, dude, this guy's like all time one of the best supports in the LEC. He's been playing really well, and Excel is looking like a pretty solid team. Maybe they'll yeah, finally they make playoffs because people who don't know about the LEC, Excel's been a team who's been in the league now for this is their fourth year now, and they've never made playoffs. So uh, this is the year. This is the year, or the split rather. Well, let's put it that way. This is the split. They make playoffs. I, I feel pretty confident. I'll give it like an 80% confidence that they, that they make playoffs. Because I do think they look pretty good. I've always been a big fan of Patrick. I think that guy's pretty nuts. He had a pretty slow start this year, but I think he's a beast. Um, rip Advian, like you said. Um, but I mean, I couldn't give a fuck, dude. Like, I, The thing is, I do care because I think like he's supposed to be a really good talent. I just don't think that XL are like these evil villains like they're painted to be because they went for a better player. Like, dude. You try to win. This is a team that's never made playoffs. They just want to fucking make playoffs. That's, I don't know. To me, I didn't, I didn't feel any need to flame. But the other guy that uh, stands out um, for me in the league specifically is Hillisang. Um, he, I think he mentioned that he didn't think he played that well this past weekend. I still think that guy's a beast. Um, in the past, I used to think he was like huge. Int, and of course, he still has those moments. He's just a hella aggro player. But like he's not coin flip that or unless that that coin is flipping like seventy five percent in his favor like he's he's pretty solid and so I do think you can expect to see Fnatic there at the end I wouldn't be surprised if Fnatic is actually better than Rogue at the end. Um, I'm not ready to say they're better than Rogue now but I I think Fnatic's still pretty good yeah I think uh, I think at this point I'd probably say Hillisang be the MVP of that league um I think so interestingly enough though like G two is also eight and three tied with Fnatic for second place but it feels like Fnatic's just like better than G yeah, I agree. I because I think G two. I think most people think that as well. Yeah, like I don't remember who. I mean, G two lost to Fnatic and G two lost to Rogue, and I don't know like the other game that they lost, but like it does feel like G two is like that one step below Rogue and Fnatic, who feel like the the top two teams right now. Um, but I'll I, I will admit I didn't think their G 2s bot lane was particularly good, or I didn't have like super high hopes for them, despite all the hype they've been getting. But they're they're actually playing much better. Flacken and Targamas are looking pretty good. Um, and I think G2, they'll be in the title fight as, as per usual over in EU, but, uh, you I just know. like broken blade. So I'm happy yeah, he's, for he, BB. He's great. He he plays whatever the fuck he wants to play top. Do you played like Yon top this past week or something? Was that this week or the week prior? Yeah. I, I think, think he it was played Yon. it twice. I think he played it twice. Did he Did play he? it twice? I don't know. I don't remember. I, th I thought he played it twice, but anyways, let's go broken blade. I'm all, always a fan fan for life. Uh, last team, last team for me to talk about is uh, Mad Lions. I think Elioya is really, really good. He he didn't actually have the greatest weekend, but regardless, I think for most of this split, he's been really good, and I think he is kind of an Elo hell. I think Armut is not as good as he was last year. Um, not terrible, but I think the biggest hole is Reeker. Um, and I know there's a lot of people that are like, oh, who was it? Someone was maybe it was Peter Dunn. That made a tweet defending Reeker, like, oh, you're flaming Reeker, but it's early. And it's like, yeah, it's early, but like, he is still one of the reasons why they're not winning games. It's, it's not to say that he'll never be good, but he hasn't been good. Um, and it's been noticeable. Uh, he, you're trying to fill the shoes of Humanoid, who is one of the best mids in the league. So, like, it's Ish. going to stand out. Like, that is going, well, a lot of people might say Larson. Uh, Larson's looking pretty good. 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. I think they're both pretty good. Anyways, I think Elioya is in Elo, in Elo Hell. And I tweeted out something along the lines of, like, at this pace, he'll be in NA next year. He'll just cash out. And that's pretty much what's going to happen if he can't find one of those either super teams or, you know, the classic, if you're not on Fnatic or G2. Like, I don't think El Elioya is still at the top of his game, in my opinion. And I feel like it's it's... I don't want to call it a waste, but it is sort of a waste to have someone who's so good play on a team that's kind of holding them back a little bit, which, sorry to say, like, I think that guy's a beast. If I was G2, you know, Yanko's going to hang it up at some point. I, I'd be getting on, I'd be getting yeah. yo on my team next year. I think there should be a lot of teams that go after him, but if he can't get on one of the top teams, I think he'll just cash out in NA, honestly. That's a likely, like, even if you look at the LEC right now, like, take probably three of their top 10 players are going to be in NA next season. Like, it's just inevitable that they're going to be bought out by, by like, the money from NA, so. Any specific names just to give some hopium to the NA fans and to just absolutely uh, torture the EU fans? Uh, I mean, I guess El is a good one. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, maybe some rogue players, like Odawamne, maybe, I don't know. Like, he's, like, a guy, I don't know when his contract, I don't know any of the contract, like, any situations on that, but. Yeah. He feels like a guy that might, you know, go to NA for, like, fake retirement. Like, you know, like, that's the <clears> meme. Like, you go to NA to retire, but you're still playing. But, yeah, I don't know. Maybe some, maybe Perks goes back to NA. He has another stint in <laughs> NA after the Vitality, Vitality Super Team. Vitality doesn't work out. Alfari and Perks go back to North America. Let me tell you one thing. Alfari ain't one of the guys, man. That guy, he is not going back. I mean, Perks too. I feel like both of them just won't go, honestly. I, um, yeah. Maybe Champions Q changes some opinions if people think there's a better practice, uh, I don't know, environment with yeah. Champions uh, Q rather than solo Q. Yeah, last up on the LEC, uh, Shocks back on, on the broadcast. Oh, right. uh, I Presumably she has her contract dispute and i mean not even if it was a dispute but just like she got what she wanted from whatever contract she signed with them so yeah i i don't know this for a fact so don't take this as like i know this but i think there was a delay in her contract because i think her mom passed away or a family member i think it was her mom again don't don't take anything of what i'm saying for fact but i feel like that's one of the reasons why it took them so long to get to an to come to an agreement is because there was a delay with that obviously and i know she's going through a really rough time right now so i think it was it was good for everyone but especially her to get back on the desk um god knows everyone missed shocks on the desk like she's like the goat desk lady <laughs> honestly yep um so that's pretty good for her and that was nice to see because i think she was pretty happy to be back all right that's gonna do it jnt that is it for this episode uh want to shout out everyone who was in the live chat and shout all of you pretty people who hit the subscribe button uh that goes a long way for us and hit those likes and all that stuff remember we are on twitch youtube and spotify and all anchor supported platforms find us you can find us we try to make ourselves available to you um next week we'll be back to regular time uh we'll probably be on after hotline league um yep that that's it so thanks guys this has been episode 73 of the Clown Fiesta.